This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing, is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Ann Romer and Larry Simpson. Good morning, I'm Ann Romer, and welcome to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Television and social media superstar Melissa Grello joins us today, the former co-host of CP24 Breakfast and now at the helm of the social. She grew up around horses and is still passionate about them. We go in-depth with Melissa Grello and talk about her unwavering love of horses and how these majestic animals have changed her life. Next, the Canadian Horse Racing Hall of Fame elected its class of 2023, and one of the four inductees to become part of the standard bred division was Woodbine Mohawk Park driver Chris Christofferu. Chris has steered over 6,700 winners over his career, with close to $119 million in purse earnings. Back in 2000, he won the prestigious Little Brown Jug, and in 1993, at the tender age of 21, Chris became the second youngest driver ever to win a Breeders' Crown event in the Open Trot division. I believe the best is yet to come for Chris Christofferu. Last weekend was the opening of the 2023 Woodbine Thoroughbred Meet. One of the big stars of Saturday's card was apprentice jockey Amanda Vandermeersch. She won the curtain racer on a horse by the name of Silvertune and just missed out on a second victory when her mount in the nightcap Northern Passage closed late, finishing second. Amanda, who's only been riding since 2021, won 15 races in 128 mounts last year. If this season's start is any indication, 2023 could be a stellar year for Amanda Vandermeersch. And finally, he's back. My co-host Larry Simpson will once again try to sniff out some potential betting gems at Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, and some other North American tracks racing today with our ponies picks of the day, sponsored by Rocket Ship Racing. It's going to be a terrific show. So get your HPI and Dark Horse accounts ready for some heavy-duty action. When we come back, Larry Simpson will join us as we talk about the new feature, in case you missed it, Ponies 24-7's recap of the week that was in horse racing news. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. More from the track when we come back on 105.9 The Region. Go from Dark Horse to Winner. Dark Horse is Woodbine's new easy-to-use betting app that brings the thrill of the track right to you. Its AI-powered insights and strategies help you make smarter bets straight out of the gate. Feel the excitement of live streamed horse races wherever you go. Get $30 to start betting when you sign up today using promo code GET30. Download the app for free at PlayDarkHorse.com. Available on Android and Apple devices. The Horsemen's Benevolent and Protective Association of Ontario, the HBPA, has represented thoroughbred owners and trainers at Woodbine and Fort Erie racetracks since 1950. The HBPA provides members and their hardworking employees with medical insurance, pensions, benevolence, negotiations with racetracks, and government and provides vital industry information to the horse people. For more information on the HBPA of Ontario, please visit our website at hbpa.on.ca. Lymphoma Canada and Ponies 24-7 recommend that you don't horse around with lymphoma. Lymphoma affects the lymphatic system of both horses and humans, and currently there are over 100,000 Canadians living with the disease. Lymphoma is also the most common cancer diagnosis for adolescents and young adults. Visit lymphoma.ca slash ponies to donate to the Don't Horse Around with Lymphoma campaign. With your help, we can promote early detection, assist newly diagnosed patients, and support lymphoma research. 
This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing, is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Ann Romer and Larry Simpson. Welcome back to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. I'm Ann Romer, and let me introduce you to my fabulous co-host, Larry Simpson, and our, in case you missed it, a look at the week that was in horse racing news. Hey, Larry. Hi, Ann. So May the 6th is a very busy day around the world. Let's begin with the coronation. There is quite a great presence when it comes to horses in the coronation. Well, they continue to play a major role, especially... uh you know, and Canada is involved because the procession includes actually five members of the RCMP's musical ride, which is the, you know, the Mounties renowned performance cavalry unit. So, like, that's that's big news. It is. And I've been watching on the news the rehearsals of all of the horses involved in the procession, both to Westminster Abbey and from Westminster Abbey. They do their rehearsals through the night on the course, on the, the procession route. And it's incredible to see the synchronicity of the horses. You know, it's incredible that, you know, every horse, as you say, is in sync and every rider is in sync. And uh, it's quite a performance. And to me, I know everybody's watching King Charles and Queen Camilla and so on, but I'll be watching the horses. I think you will be too. Me too. So (laughs) also next Saturday, May the 6th, coronation, yes, but also the Kentucky Derby. And here's something interesting. The bloodlines of Mr. Prospector and Secretariat can be found in all Kentucky Derby potential starters. That is incredibly interesting and cool. It is because, like, uh, starting off, we had Curtis Stock on last week talking about his book on the Turcott family. And, of course, there was major reference to Secretariat because Ron Turcott was the writer of Secretariat. And you've got 50th anniversary of Secretariat winning the Derby and the Triple Crown and that. But... Everybody knocked Secretariat after he was retired that they said that he didn't sire a lot of decent progeny in that. And it's gone through the ages where 50 years now or so, or probably 47 or 48 years, and they're finding that all these horses that are basically contenders for next week's Kentucky Derby, you trace them back, and they've all got Secretariat or Mr. Prospector blood in there here was a horse that was being knocked that he wasn't a prolific stallion. Fascinating stuff and it makes the Kentucky Derby even more worthwhile when it comes to watching. I cannot wait. And where are you going to be next Saturday, May the 6th and other horse racing fans? I'm going to be at Woodbine and for people that uh, want to uh, maybe go to Woodbine, there is a party, a Kentucky Derby party and it's in the Champions uh, Bar uh, it's $110 a ticket. It runs from apparently 2 to 7 p.m. The Woodbine saying there's food, fashion, cocktails, uh, live racing, and more. Um, and you can go to woodbine.com and uh, basically experience, as they say, the most stylish sporting event of the spring. You will fit right in, Larry. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> and that's in case you missed it on Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. She is a hugely successful television and social media superstar, writer, producer, speaker, entrepreneur, businesswoman, happy spouse, loving mom, and a dedicated, passionate horsewoman. Joining us on Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, is the marvelous, magnificent Melissa Grello, creator and co-host of The Social. Welcome to the show, Melissa. So great to have you with us. Thank you. My favorite things. It's broadcasting and horses. Come on. I love it. I love it. So let's start at the beginning. What was your first memory of of horses in your very young life? 
You know, um, my dad tells a famous story that I was riding horses before I was walking, and if there wasn't photographic evidence, I might doubt the veracity of that story, but there is photographic evidence, and in fact, I do have these sort of patchy memories of those early days. I was on a horse at six months of age, and the story goes that the, the second that my dad tried to take me off the horse that I just lost it. So he put me back on and said, okay, I think we got one here. And that kind of was the beginning of, of the story. And um, my dad, being a horseman, has a, another saying, but you'll find out soon he has many. Um, and he says, the son of a fish must learn how to swim. And the fact that he's a horseman and has two daughters, well, guess what? It was inevitable that we would be raised in the family business. And, and here we are. Oh, it's great. So what was it about uh, horses, Melissa? Is it just they're such, you know, overbearing and, and gentle animals, or was there something else? You know, for me, I come at it very differently because, to be honest, at the beginning of my life, it, it wasn't a choice. I was a child with a father who was a passionate horseman, and therefore, as we say, you know, if you any child of a farmer of any type um, is going to be exposed to that and raised in that environment. And that was my story and my sister's story. So, you know, for us, horses was um, a living, you know, this is how my father made his living. And so it was an all-encompassing family endeavor. My mother did work for the government at the time. And so she was definitely part of the business, but in a bit of a different way. Whereas us as the children, you know, whether it's before school or after school, my earliest memories are contributing to the family business. And that is caring for horses. And that's everything from feeding them multiple times a day, mucking out stalls, cleaning them, exercising them, giving them care, and obviously also loving them and having them as sort of pets. But the pets part was way down on the list. They were responsibility and obligation and care because this was the family business. And it just happened to be my dad's passion, which is contagious, of course. So, you know, those early days, and and quite frankly, um, you know, my whole life, that has been the dynamic is caring for these amazing animals and understanding what they really mean to other people um, because it means something very different to us uh, being a horse family. And what do you and did you learn from growing up with horses? What did you learn about yourself and about life? I know that's a big question. You know, the simple answer is horses are the um, ultimate teachers. There's a reason why equine therapy today is exploding as a form of therapy for humans. And it's because animals in general, but certainly horses, are so, they're such sentient, um, feeling, and almost empathetic animals. They really are not only a mirror to you of your own emotions, but they are healing animals. They are so intuitive and they can read you before you even walk into the stall. They've got you sized up. And the one biggest lesson that I've learned growing up with horses is self-awareness. It's checking yourself. Where am I? Where's my head today? How's my heart rate? Am I nervous? Am I excited? What's the energy I'm bringing into a space? Because this animal doesn't have words, but has already read me. And this is the lesson that we have often taught throughout the decades to our own students and why I think they're such amazing animals is they're teaching you about yourself whether you know it or not. And I think the idea of self-awareness and then all the other stuff that comes with owning such a majestic animal, which is responsibilities um, and the hard work and the discipline and ultimately the love they end up giving you on the other side. So 
horses to me, much like I think dogs are for a lot of people, are wonderful, wonderful companions, but ultimately wonderful teachers. And how about yourself? Did you, you obviously rode, but did you uh, actually show as well? Or was it just uh, pleasure riding that you were doing? We did showing um, quite a bit in my early years, and so while my father did also start uh, competitively, um, he, at at the end of the day, is an artist as opposed to um, a competitor. And so my dad's approach eventually seeped through to me, but not before I could get in some good showing. And so we had several horses that we would take out onto the circuit, um, which was also, you know, really exciting because being out there, being able to see what everybody else is up to, um, who are the players in the business and all of those things. That's the business side of our life that you also have to stay on top of. And so you made so many connections and networking out on the circuit, which was amazing. And a lot of those people we met in those early days are still our friends and clients today. So it is a, it's a small community. It's a tight community. And that's kind of what showing gave me. But when we left showing, to really focus on the art of it. Interestingly, we probably had more show competitors coming to our farm because when you are competing, at least in our discipline, which is dressage, there is very much, you know, you can get very mechanical in how you approach something. And yet what we do is very artistic. I describe it as a combination of ballet and gymnastics. And so what you can't just have somebody executing moves, there has to be an artistry and a flair to it. And that's what they come to my dad for. That's what they come to our farm for is you cannot lose the art in the art of dressage. And so that's interestingly how showing has led us to the life we ultimately led, which was being, you know, the flair, the final touches, or as my dad would say, you have some screws loose, we have to tighten those screws. And he would do it with this flash of artistry that only a riding master like my dad can give. So you've got that edge in the competitive ring. Your dad is world renowned at what he does, and he does it very, very well. What is his connection to horses, do you think? What what do you observe when you see your father at work? Um, I see poetry in motion, not to get too melodramatic. Um, my dad is an artist. You know, he is a farmer in many ways. He is a horseman, um, but he is a philosopher. He's a psychologist. He is um, a therapist. You know, he is an artist who understands horses that have allowed him to understand people. And so you can't have one without the other. And so um, my father is, at the end of the day, someone who understands and has that intuition for horses, which has also led him to be someone that people seek out just for their own personal development through horses. So, you know, he's all of those things. Like I said, teacher, psychologist, nurse, therapist, horseman, artist all wrapped up into one very, very uh, robust Portuguese body. And loving father. (laughs) And great husband. (laughs) (laughs) Well, a few years back, uh, speaking of horses and woodbine, you were involved with the uh, Queen's Plate festivities, right? Talk about that. Oh, it's always so much fun. Um, You know, I did not grow up with horse racing, although the horse community generally is overall very small. You kind of end up knowing names of who's doing what in what worlds. But it was the first time that I was able to uh, formally bring together what I do as my day job and my career, which is being on television, 
and my other life, which is with horses, and bring it into one event. And because, um, you know, my show, we were there as a, a partner and we were broadcasting, but to be able to do that with animals that you just know so intimately well, and you just, you know, like I said, I'm not an expert by any means in horse racing specifically, but of course I know horses. And so to be able to do those two things together was probably one of the highlights of my life, to be honest, because I just never get a chance to bring all sides of me together in one sort of, you know, job or space. So it was a real thrill to be able to do that. And I think also highlight, you know, all the amazing things that horses bring us. Multi-talented, multifaceted, that is you. So let's go from growing up on a horse farm in Caledon. You then became a teacher, did that for a couple of years, and then you made your big move into television and you never looked back. Why did you not end up going into some aspect full-time of the horse industry? I think my dad would like to know the answer to that question. <laughs> um, I mean, I think the very simple answer is, you, you know, my parents were such amazing parents, are such amazing parents, because they raised my sister and I to always live our own life. Not to live the life they wanted us to live, but to live our own lives. And while obviously horses have made me who I am, to say that I share the same artistry and skill um, as my father, I mean, I would never say that. You know, he is literally one of a kind and sacrificed so much for his dream. And the one thing that he has taught me is whatever it is that you want, whatever that dream is, whatever that passion is, you go for it. And so I simply... I don't have what my dad's made of. He is so unique um, and also his skill and what he brings to the table. I wish in a million years that I'd have that talent. I don't. Um, I know I'm very good at horses, um, but to put myself on the same plane as my dad, I would never. Uh, But what he did teach me was if you have a passion, you go for it. And it turned out, not that I knew it was coming, but it turned (laughs) out that broadcasting was where it was it for me. And some of that I will still attribute to my dad because my dad is also a showman. He puts on a great show and he knows what the audience wants and gives them what they want and need. And that part I bring to my job every single day. And so for that, I thank my father. I think there's a lot of kids out there who've had their parents' dreams imposed on them. And I think, you know, that's part of phenomenal parenting is what is it that your kid wants to do and and foster and nurture that? Um, And that's why I'm here where I am today. So for someone that is so passionate about horses and had some uh, action and relationship with the, uh, with the Queens plate a couple of years back, what's it going to feel like this year with the Kings plate? Oh, that's a great question. You know, so much is shifting and changing. And I think, you know, all of us, I think most of us, you know, we kind of roll with it. I think it's going to be exciting. Anytime there's a transition, some people are going to try to hold on to the past. Understandable. But I also think that there's going to be always exciting and new opportunities as well. So I think it's going to be exciting. I think it's going to be different, but it's a great chance to rebrand, to get reinvigorated. I I mean, listen, we all know that horses run deep in the royal family, and I don't think that's going to ever change. Um, so it's just a, a new and exciting chapter to look forward to. Melissa, you have a gorgeous little daughter. You have given your father a grandchild and your husband a child. 
And this little person who is in many ways a, a reflection of you, but also Ryan, your husband as well, how does she feel about horses and what's been her, her exposure to horses as she's been growing up? I mean, again, she's been sort of born into the family business. Um, you know, she's being raised in a very different way than I was raised. So there's not a lot of similarities that way, even though we're at the farm a lot. Um, but I was born and raised with a pitchfork and a wheelbarrow in my hand. And that's not the life that she has had. She's very lucky. Um, and so she's her exposure to horses is much more of a caretaking um, way. She really enjoys caring for them. She likes feeding them. She likes grooming them. The riding she could do without or she could do with. She's she's very much like her mother and her grandfather. When there is a show to be put on, she's going to do what she needs to do and she's going to be really excited about it. But right now what I see coming out in her is the caretaker and she really enjoys you know, we just had um, a new full born at the farm and this is changed her world because it's like there's a baby we have to care for the baby and this has just lit her up right and and i really enjoy that part of it for her is she going to be as adept at riding and want to ride all the time as i was maybe she's not showing that quite the same way but again she's being raised very very differently um but so far what i see is just it's all the right lessons that horses bring to your life she's getting those really important lessons already final thoughts what has the presence of a horse and the presence of horses meant to you in your past life, in your present, and what do you think it means for your future, Melissa? Oh, I think, I know, I wouldn't be who I am today without horses in my life, period. There's just, there's no Melissa Grello as we know her today without them because of all the lessons that horses taught me, as I said earlier, understanding self-awareness, but then things like work ethic and responsibility and discipline, understanding hard work, not being shy of work, um, sacrifice, um, excitement, joy, putting on a show, all of these lessons literally in life that I use to this day came from the simplicity of horse life. It is caring for an animal, developing empathy, cleaning up after that animal, exercising and caring for that animal, all those lessons I use every day. And so I don't really have an answer other than I don't know who I'd be if I didn't have horses in my life because I owe them, my dad, my mom, the farm, I owe them everything for who I am and what I have today. Melissa, thanks for doing this. Much appreciated. Thank you so, so much. I wish I could chat longer, but haha, work calls. Exactly. As you all know. But thank you so, so much. I appreciate it. Uh, and it's so great to talk to you. Anytime you want to talk about horses, I'm your gal. Now, giddy up, Melissa. Back to work. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Melissa. Thank you. Thank you. When we come back, Woodbine Mohawk Park driver Chris Christofferu. He joins us on Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Can't wait. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Follow us on Twitter at 1059theregion. We'll be right back. Enjoy the thrill of the race anytime with HPIBet.com, the number one betting site for experienced horse players. Join for free and watch and wager when you can't bet at the track. Stream live racing from over 500 tracks from around the world. Bet with ease from anywhere. It's safe and secure. Sign up today and get one month free live race streaming. Plus, for a limited time, get a $100 bonus and your first bet is on us. Go to HPIBet.com to join for free today. 
Pineview Hyundai, the smart choice of automobile dealerships, combining horses and horsepower. For over 35 years, the Romeo family has been a part of the Ontario thoroughbred racing industry, and they want to invite you to their Pineview dealership to view their award-winning Hyundai lineup today, as the Hyundai Advantage sales event is on now. Come see us at 3790 Highway 7 in Vaughan. Call us at 905-851-2851 to make an appointment or visit our website, pineviewauto.com, and see why Pineview Hyundai remains the smart choice. Ontario Racing, the excitement of thoroughbred, standard bred, and quarter horse racing at 15 racetracks. We are the voice of the Ontario horse racing industry, and we direct breed improvement programs, set annual race dates, and work on attracting new horse owners and race fans. Ontario Racing is committed to supporting a vibrant industry with one vision, working together for a stronger horse racing community. To get your horsepower, go to OntarioRacing.com and experience the excitement. Ontario Racing, three breeds, one vision. This is 1059 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing, is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Ann Romer and Larry Simpson. Welcome back to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Soon to be friend of the show, Woodbine Mohawk Park driver Chris Christofferu got the call recently to become part of the 2023 class of the Canadian Horse Racing Hall of Fame. This is fantastic. He joins us now on Ponies 24-7. Welcome to the show, Chris, and congratulations. Thank you very much. Uh, glad to be on, and uh, it's, it's my pleasure, and uh, yeah, thanks for the congratulations. It's, uh, it's, it was my childhood dream since I was a kid, so yeah, it's, it's quite a thrill. So... What did it feel like, Chris, when you got the call? Like, what were you doing, for one? And, mm-hmm. like, did if, you know, you were making dinner or something, did you drop the plates on the floor? <laughs> or was I was just getting on the on the cart to exercise the horse. So I, I had the phone in one hand and the reins in the other hand. <laughs> and, and Jeff Orchuk from the Standard Bank Canada called me and he said, uh, you're, uh, you know, you've been inducted and, First, he'd give me the runaround for a bit first, and he was asking me about other horses. And meanwhile, I've been waiting for two weeks for this phone call. I was laughing a little bit to myself because I knew what he was doing, and then uh, he actually told me. And yeah, I was uh, I was excited. It was it was a great a great moment in my life. That's for sure. Uh, Chris, I saw in a recent interview that you actually called him back after the call, the first call, to say to him, "I I, I just didn't know what to say." <laughs> Yeah, I actually, yeah, I sent him, I sent him a message. I said, Jeff, I'm so sorry because usually I know Jeff. I just said, oh, okay, thanks, and I, you know, I was kind of frozen in shock, and yeah, so I had, I, I felt bad. I said, I better text him back and just say, man, I, you know, I was, I was just kind of shocked, and I, I apologize. But he laughed. He said, oh, everybody does the same thing. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. At a loss for words. Yeah. Back in the day when you started, Chris, back when I knew you and and uh, other other people that you know in the industry knew you and that. Did you ever believe that you would have accomplished so much in your career? You won the jug, you won the Breeders' Crown, and now you're in the uh, Hall of Fame? You know, when you're a kid, you dream, you know, these, something like this could happen to me. And, and I'm, my parents are both, you know, my, my father's from Cyprus, my mother's from England. Neither one of them saw a standard bred horse race until they came to Canada. And then uh, my father was a policeman, and he became a standard red uh, trainer. He decided he liked it. He thought he'd give it a try. 
so I being basically, I'm still basically a first generation horseman. As my father, you know, of course, is in it. But in this game, a lot of the people that go in the Hall of Fame, they're like third, fourth, fifth generation horsemen. So it's that much more special to me to to be in. And uh, yeah, when I first started out, I was just trying to be a, a, a successful driver and make a career out of it. To be honest, with you. Uh, I didn't dream of uh, you know getting this far. So. When I was little, I did, but when I started, I realized how hard it would be, and uh, luckily I made it. You are Chris Christofferu Jr., so let's talk about your dad, and how did he feel when he heard that you were a Hall of Famer? I think he's he's, more, he's even happier than I am, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he was ecstatic. He was, he was really happy, and uh, my mother, too, and uh, yeah, it, it's special for them. A, a lot of people, you know, honestly, a lot of people, that they get in the Hall of Fame, their parents, you know, unfortunately aren't with us anymore. So I, I feel so blessed that mine are, and, and that they're going to get to be there that night. So it's, it's great. So when you started out, Chris, was there a driver that you basically uh, patterned your driving style after? Doug Brown was, was the best driver here on, on our circuit. And uh, he had won, I think, setting he won seven O'Brien. He was a driver driving here seven times in Canada. And uh, there was another guy here that drove a lot for my father, Steve Condren. And one, Steve was kind of more patient, and Doug was a little more aggressive. I just kind of try to be somewhere in between. But you put a lot of hard work into it, and you say that it is hard work. What is What have been the biggest challenges for you along the way, along the path to success? It took me a long time. a bit of an introvert when I was younger, and I, it took me a long time to uh, deal with people properly. You know, I, I, if, if, I, if I thought I was treated misfairly by someone took me off a horse maybe too soon, I, I would overreact. And uh, it, it took time for me to, to understand this is a business and, and, and you can't take things too personally. So, yeah, over time, it got better and better. And uh, accidents haven't been great to me. I've had a few wrecks that, uh, unfortunately, broke a few bones here. They're maybe a little, little unlucky there. But uh, you know what? I do it all again to get where, you know, to get in the Hall of Fame. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. So you won the little brown jug with a horse by the name Estrellos, and you won the Breeders' Crown event with a horse called Earl. Uh, were these your two biggest highlights, or have there been others? You know what? They're my two biggest highlights because my father owned a piece of each horse and and, and trained one of them, and uh, so that you know that's why I kind of put them above the rest. I, I've been lucky enough to drive a lot of a lot of nice horses over the years, and I, I feel really blessed by that. But those two, just because they're closer to my heart, because they're my you know my family. And tell me about your technique when it comes to standard bread racing. You know, it's man and machine and, and, and horse, if, if you will. I know that the harness is not actually, the ride is not actually mechanical, but there is that distance between you and the horse. You're not on the horse, you're behind the horse. What's your technique like, Chris? Well, I think it's, uh, my, mine, I just try to be as quiet behind them as possible. I, I, I find the best passenger is the, is the one that doesn't move around a lot. So I just uh, I sit back there pretty quiet and, and I don't move around too much and I find the best that I've seen before before me that's basically what they did so I I kind of patted myself after them and, and did that and uh, I find it works good for me some guys move around a little more it's just not for me but uh, yeah that, that's basically all I do I'm I'm more of a, a patient driver I think than, than you know some guys and I think uh, it's fair to say that people probably categorize me as a patient driver so. Yeah, that's that's basically my my way. And I never thought I would say this. One of the 
veteran drivers of the uh, Woodbine Mohawk Park uh, driving colony now. That means experience, not <laughs> yeah, old, I guess Larry. Experience and not old. Yeah. Uh, talk about some of the other younger drivers now and, and uh, you know, who's impressed you and, and who has kind of stood out, uh, you know, when you sit back and watch. There's four kids there driving now. I, I call them kids. They're men. But, the, you know, to me, they're always kids because I've, I've known three of them since they were little, basically. But uh, Bob McClure is a very good driver. Uh, Doug McNair is a very good driver. James McDonald is a very good driver. Uh, there's uh, the, the boy for the, from Quebec, uh, Louis, Louis Roy. He's a very good driver. It's a good colony right now, very strong. We still got some veterans there still doing well. So, yeah, it's it's a very good driving colony right now. But uh, I'd say James and Bob and Doug are, they're probably my three three best. And if you look at them, what do you learn from them? I know everybody <laughs> learns from you because you are experienced. You're not old, you're experienced. But what, what, do, you, what, do, you, what do you learn from the kids, from the youngins? <laughs> you know what? It's funny. These, these kids, they can make such speed nowadays with these horses. And when I started out, the horses were like the breed has progressed. It's not like thoroughbreds where, where they kind of, you know, they are what they are and they've been that way for, for a lot of years and they don't go any faster anymore. You know, they kind of hit their plateau. Whereas our game, it seems to be every year they just go a little bit faster and a little bit faster and a little bit faster because the breed is progressing. And at some point it's going to level off. But these kids, they seem to be able to get tremendous speed out of these horses and uh, it's impressive to see. Was there ever any doubt that, you know, when you were growing up that you would not get into the harness racing business? No, there was never. I, I'm going to tell you, and I hope my kids aren't listening. <laughs> when I was in high school, when I was in high school, I got in trouble because I they used to have afternoon races at Flamborough Downs. And Flamborough Downs is just outside of Dundas, Ontario, where I, where I went to high school. And I would go to my morning classes, and then I would skip school and go to the races in the afternoon. <laughs> and, and I mean, this was like for two months I was doing it, and before I got into big, big trouble. But yeah, I, I, I mean, it was. It was in my blood from the time I was young. Are your kids following in your hoof prints, if you will? I, my daughter, I got one daughter that uh, is uh, heavily into it. I've got a son that has absolutely no interest whatsoever <laughs> in it. And I've got a little seven-year-old, and we don't know yet. <laughs> she likes ponies, the so jury's out, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anything you haven't accomplished in your career to date, Chris? You know... There's a there. There was two races when I was young that, that you wanted to win, and one was the Little Brown Jug, which I've been lucky enough to do, and the other is the Hamiltonian. I haven't won the Hamiltonian yet, but I'm still working on it. And the word "yet" is the operative word, that's for sure. So let's circle back now to the Hall of Fame 2023 class. What do you think has come together in terms of your strategy, your skill, your ability that has made this dream of yours since you were young come true? I think practice makes perfect, and I think I, I just I, I raced so much when I was young and, and traveled around everywhere. I've raced from you know all over the from Florida to to the east coast of Canada to you know Alberta. I've been all over, and I've been lucky enough to race against a lot of good people and, and learn a lot just by watching. So I, I think just strategy wise, it's just always been something that I've been working on the whole time since I started. And just after it's like, it's like, you know, a hundred hours of, of practice and anything, you're going to get better at it. So just, just a lot of hard work and a lot of practice. So you mentioned about, you know, Doug Brown and Steve Condren kind of influenced your, your, your driving career in that, but 
as a kid growing up or maybe as a teenager growing up in that, was there an actual horse that maybe you saw a race that was just like a phenomenal horse and, and you said, I want to be part of this business? Yeah, I think uh, Niatros was a horse. I was I don't think I was a teenager yet. I might have been 10, maybe 11, and Niatros came and raced at Greenwood once. And, I mean, he was just something to see. He was just, I'd never seen a horse like that. He was spectacular, giant massively built horse strong excellent athleticism just a beautiful horse and yeah he he really caught my eye and i think that's when it really started to pour on for me where i knew what i was going to do for sure and is there a horse that you would like to uh to be in charge of right now uh, <laughs> whoever's going to win the first 10 or eight or 10 races tonight i would like to be in charge of them i can tell you that that's funny <laughs> As you've got older, Chris, and I don't want yeah. to keep, you know, <laughs> you know, we had the term. Why don't you vet- say one more time? Why don't you say one more time? As you're about to put one foot in the grave, Chris. <laughs> and the other foot in his yeah. mouth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, as, as you've driven more <laughs> and got experience yeah, as a driver, yeah. do you think your your style? of driving has, has changed? Are, are you still as ag- aggressive as you were back in the day, or are you uh, maybe uh, taking the foot off the pedal a little bit more? Complete honesty, Larry. Uh, uh, I don't think anyone is the same when they're 30 and then they're 50. You know what I mean? I just, as a driver, I just think you lose a little bit of aggression and a little bit, and, and I think sometimes the hunger kind of starts slipping away, especially if you start winning awards and, and, and you start winning driving titles like you, you know the first one's great and the second one's great and the third you know what I mean but after a while you know a few accidents here and there and you, you know I, we're human and I think in the end you know if, if it wasn't that way there'd be you know guys in their 60s still driving like they're in their 20s you know mm-hmm. it's just it's just the way it is it's just time that's all but uh I you know I still do all right and and, and I'm I'm enjoying it and uh, I don't race as much as I used to but I'm, I'm still uh, having a lot of fun doing it. Before we let you go, because I know you're on your way to the track, it's a busy Saturday. What mm-hmm. what will the shindig be like? What will the awards night be like for you when this actually happens? You know you, you are in the Hall of Fame, but there's going to be an awards ceremony. Um, <laughs> I, you know, it's going to be emotional for me, and I, and I, and, uh, and my family is going to be there, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're gonna we're gonna have a good time and enjoy it, and uh, and just take it all in. It's it's one of those uh, it's one of those rare moments in life where you met, you get to the the one place where you want to be, and and to get there is it's just such a tremendous honor. I'm I'm really I'm over, like I said I'm over the moon. And will the a bottle of ouzo be out on the table? <laughs> We might break a few plates and drink some ouzo, that's for sure. <laughs> hey, Chris, thanks for doing this. Much appreciated. Congratulations again on your Hall of Fame uh, induction, and uh, keep up the good work on the track. Okay, thank you so much for having me, and I really appreciate it, guys. It's been fun, and uh, please, Larry, give Ann my number. I need windows. I'm desperate. <laughs> I don't want to pay. I need a deal. I, I don't want to pay, you know, uh, through the nose for uh, good windows, and uh, I need some new ones so I know Ann can help me out. And I have two words for you. You bet. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thanks so much, Chris. Thanks, guys. Okay, Thanks, Chris. Bye-bye. bye-bye.
Coming up after the break, jockey Amanda Vandermeersch joins us on Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Listen live at 1059theregion.com. Live harness racing continues at the Meadowlands every Friday and Saturday evening with a post time of 6.20 p.m. The Meadowlands Championship Meet is highlighted by the Meadowlands Pace on July 15th. And on Saturday, August 5th, it's the famed $1 million Hamiltonian, headlining an exceptional day of stakes events with a special post time of 12 noon. Watch and wager on all of the big games exciting harness racing through your HPI bet account and Dark Horse app and be part of the Meadowlands racing experience. Enjoy the thrill of the race anytime with HPIBet.com, the number one betting site for experienced horse players. Join for free and watch and wager when you can't bet at the track. Stream live racing from over 500 tracks from around the world. Bet with ease from anywhere. It's safe and secure. Sign up today and get one month free live race streaming. Plus, for a limited time, get a $100 bonus and your first bet is on us. Go to HPIBet.com to join for free today. This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing, is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Ann Romer and Larry Simpson. Welcome back to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Jockey Amanda Vandermeersch was victorious in Woodbine season opener last Saturday and came close to winning the day's nightcap. The Woodbine Apprentice Jockey joins us now on Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Good to have you with us, Amanda, and a stellar start to the season last weekend. Yes, it was a great start. Okay. Let's uh, talk about the uh, path you've taken to where you're at Woodbine now. Like, where did you start riding, and when did you start, and how did you end up at Woodbine? So I started actually riding in the hunter-jumper world when I was five years old. I didn't get into thoroughbreds until about six, maybe seven years ago. Um, I started helping out on a farm with Saul McHugh. One of the owners there actually introduced me to the, the racehorses. Kind of took off from there. In 2018 was my first time going to Woodbine Racetrack um, to start helping horses. 2021 was when I got my, my jockey license. And what drew you to being a jockey? Why did you decide that was the, the, the part of horse racing for you? Well, I've always been really passionate about horses. I always wanted a career in it. Um, I, you know, I, I did have my own farm with boarding and training horses a, a few years ago. And, you know, when I got onto this row, I just, you know, I wanted to see how far I could take it. After my first time breathing a horse, you kind of, you know, it hooked me. It intrigued me. And I just wanted to push myself to see, uh, you know, see where I can go and where I can take it. You won the first race at, uh, first season opener, you could say, at, at Woodbine last week. How did that rate on the uh, thrill chart for you? <laughs> that, uh, it was definitely a thrill. Um, my horse, you know, when I was looking at the program, she comes out of the gate sharp. She gives it her all, but she's known to kind of fade off. I, I knew she was going to run a race very similar to that, and only being four and a half furlongs, I, you know, I kind of had in the back of my mind, she's an older mare, she knows what she's doing, kind of just see if I can get her to settle, and if she's got enough juice, at, you know, at the end down the lane, then let her go and 
she held on for me, which was, it was unbelievable. It was amazing. And Amanda, how long had you spent with Silvertune before you actually had the race last Saturday? That was the first time I've even sat on the horse. I, uh, I did go and see her the day before and I think the week before. I just saw her in the stall, you know, gave her some pats and some loving and just kind of had a peek at her. But other than that, I've, I've never sat on her before then. So I got to give props to, you know, the owner, the trainer, the exercise rider, groom, the top walker, everyone in the barn for getting her ready. They did an amazing job. All right, well, talk about your your first ride as a jockey and your first win. Was there anything spectacular? Obviously, winning was spectacular, but was there anything out of the ordinary? Well, my first three rides was uh, 2021 in Fort Erie towards the end of the season. And, you know, I, I was told to just break out of the gate, find, like put yourself in a bubble and just ride a safe race, you know, get your toes wet and, and just get a feel for it. So I did exactly that. I'm pretty sure I was in the middle of the track the entire way. Got a lot of dirt in my face, <laughs> but the, the experience was really good. Um, I was quite happy with it. And then my first win in 2022, so just last year was on Tis My Right. And it was Girls Against Boys. She is a big filly. She's got a heart of gold. Um, I had a really good feeling about her. Never never sat on her before this race either. But, um, you know, you kind of you get that feeling from horses when they're, you know, they're going to try for you and they're going to run and, you know, give, them, give it their all. Amanda, you're relatively new at the jockey business, if you will. What have you learned over the past couple of years that's going to help you continue on the winning path? Oh, that's that's a long answer. Um, you you learn so much. I mean, everyone can teach you something. It's uh, you know, even from the smallest things to the biggest things. It's you got to have sharp thinking. You got to be on your toes. Um, you obviously got to listen to the horses too and what they're telling you. Um, it's you know, it it's one of those jobs where you have to have a plan in place, but always be prepared that it's going to change because 90% of the times when those gates open, it's going to change. Um, so definitely learning to think quick on your feet is the, the main thing. Um, but I've learned so much and, and still learning. There's, there's always lots to learn in this industry. We've had Emma Jane Wilson and Chantel Sutherland. And last week we had Francine Villeneuve uh, on the show. And, you know, I guess the question to you would be, there's obviously some female jockey mentors out there for you, but is it difficult still getting accepted as a, as a female rider? Um, I think we have a little bit of a harder time. Um, I think women in general in the horse world were not viewed as, you know, very strong riders. Um, so it is a little bit hard, especially when it's mainly, you know, a male populated industry, but you know, I don't. I don't let that discourage me. I mean, Emma Jane. She's she's actually been one of my my good jockeys. That's helping me along the way, and I, I give her props because she's one of the strongest finishers I think in at Woodbine right now. Um, so it's you know it, it is harder, but it kind of just gives you that extra bit more of a, a drive to to prove to yourself and to everyone else that you know. You can do it, and you, 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 you know, we do belong here just like anybody else. You know, you talk about being accepted within the world that you're in right now, the jockeys, the trainers, the owners. What about the fans and the bettors? How do they feel about betting on a female jockey? 
Well, so far I've had uh, great fans. Um, when I ride out of the paddock, I always have people cheering me on. Um, I have a few people that even the next day, you know, if I do well on a long shot, I have so many people telling me that they bet on me, they made money off of me yesterday, they're always smiling, they're happy. So I don't, you know, the fans, I don't think they really discourage it. They can see, you know, what happens in a race. And if you can ride, you can ride. And that's what the fans love, right? They, they like those long shot bets that pay off. <laughs> How did you get interested in the first place in, in uh, thoroughbred racing or horse racing? So when I was on the farm helping out Saul McHugh, there was uh, a horse. I mean, I was getting on babies and, and, you know, legging up the older horses too. And it wasn't until I was on Rock Barton and Saul and I, we went outside into the field. He said to me, he's like, you know, we're going to go to the end of the field and then we're just going to let them, you know, basically run home, let them stretch their legs to keep getting them fit. I was like, okay, yep, no problem. But as soon as he took off, he looks back at me and he says, the only thing you got to worry about is pulling up at the end of the field. <laughs> and I kind of was like, um, what? <laughs> but the horse, you know, he was a really, he was an older horse. He was very good. But the power that I felt from him when he took off with me, I mean, and it was just at home in a field, you know, during the winter, he's not even that fit, but the power that I felt from that, it, it got me hooked and, you know, it, it makes you want to, you know, like I said earlier, go, go farther, see where it can take you and, you know, keep feeling it. I mean, I felt horsepower before going over jumps and, you know, stuff like that with horses, but not this type of horsepower. <laughs> And horsepower it is, that's for sure. So you talk about power, but what about a connection between you and the horse? It Does that happen each and every time? I believe it does. I mean, I ride a few horses in the morning that I, I really feel I connect with them. Um, and they seem to get along with me quite well. It's, I, I tend to like the ones that nobody else really seems to like to gallop in the morning. Um, I just, you know... They got a lot of personality. Every single horse has a lot of personality. And just like us humans, we don't always get along with everyone. And not everyone's going to, you know, get along with every horse. So I uh, I do think there's definitely connections between riders and, and the horses. And if you spend that a little bit extra time with them, it, it does help. You mentioned earlier about uh, Emma Jane Wilson, who's a, a good friend of the show here. Uh, was there a jockey that maybe you followed, you know, when you were growing up and you decided you wanted to become a rider, was there a jockey that you kind of followed and, and maybe copied their style? Man, man or woman. Yeah. Growing up, I never really followed horse racing, to be honest. I grew up in the hunter-jumper world, so mm. I was mainly focused on, you know, like Ian Miller and Jay Hayes and, you know, those big riders. Being introduced to the thoroughbred world, I did start following, you know, the jockeys and obviously watching more races the more I got interested in it and wanting make a career out of it I do got to say Christopher Husbands is one of the jockeys I've I've really followed and I've really admired he was one of the jockeys that I first went to the gates with he was the first jockey I ever got to breathe with and like I said Emma she's she's been a great influence too I, I love watching her ride there's I mean there's, there's quite a few of them that I could say that I really enjoy riding and I don't necessarily try to copy because you know they they do their own thing but I, I take little bits and pieces from everybody, and I try to make it my own. Amanda, you have picked up a nickname, The Merch. 
Where did that come from, and what does that mean? Does it mean that you've made it now that you have a nickname in thoroughbred racing? <laughs> no, the the trainer that I was galloping for last year, um, he started calling me that. And it just, it kind of stuck in the barn and it's been, you know, set around the track a few times. Now, my last name is hard to pronounce being Vandermeersch. So the merch is just kind of a little <laughs> bit of a shorter version of it. And it's, you know, it's easier for people to say. And it, like I said, it just kind of stuck. <laughs> so what are your plans for uh, 2023? Is it to remain at Woodbine? Yes, so I'll be riding at Woodbine, and also I'll be going down to Fort Erie as well on Mondays and Tuesdays. And what's the draw when it comes to Woodbine for you? Why do you want to ride there? Um, I guess it's just the, you know, it, it, there's lots of opportunities there. There's lots of different trainers, lots of different horses to ride for. Um, obviously, there's some very prestige racing that happens there. It's a hot track to be at in Ontario. What's your goals for this year? To be safe, have fun. Um, you know, obviously the making money part is, you know, it's part of it. But for me, I just, I really enjoy the riding. I want to do well for the horses. I want to do well for the owners and trainers um, and just have a good, safe year. Very well put, Amanda Vandermeers. Thank you so much for joining us on Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. I hope you'll come back and I hope you are a very winning jockey this season. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. After the break, Larry Simpson looks at some racing action today around North America, including Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, and of course some racing at several other North American tracks. So please make sure your HPI accounts and Dark Horse app are ready to work overtime today. Stay with us for Larry's Ponies Picks of the Day, sponsored by Rocketship Racing. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocketship Racing. Listen live at 1059theregion.com. Discover a new breed of excitement with Live Horse Racing. Ontario Racing represents 15 racetracks where you can experience the excitement of thoroughbred, standard bred, and quarter horse racing. To find the racetrack nearest you, go to OntarioRacing.com. New to betting? Check out our Betting 101 page and learn about the HPI Bet Wagering Platform and the Dark Horse app. The best and safest online betting options. Get your horsepower at OntarioRacing.com and experience the excitement. Ontario Racing. Three breeds, one vision. The Horsemen's Benevolent and Protective Association of Ontario, the HBPA, has represented thoroughbred owners and trainers at Woodbine and Fort Erie racetracks since 1950. The HBPA promotes the exchange of ideas to further advance, market and preserve live racing in Ontario while offering new thoroughbred ownership opportunities. Membership to the HBPA is free for owners and trainers. For more information on the HBPA of Ontario, please visit our website at hbpa.on.ca. Pineview Hyundai, the smart choice of automobile dealerships, combining horses and horsepower. For over 35 years, the Romeo family has been a part of the Ontario thoroughbred racing industry, and they want to invite you to their Pineview dealership to view their award-winning Hyundai lineup today, as the Hyundai Advantage sales event is on now. Come see us at 3790 Highway 7 in Vaughan. Call us at 905-851-2851 to make an appointment or visit our website, pineviewauto.com, and see why Pineview Hyundai remains the smart choice. This is 105.9 The Region. 
Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing, is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Ann Romer and Larry Simpson. Before we wrap up our show, of course, what would Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, be without a couple of possible betting opportunities and potential betting gems? As Larry gives us his Ponies Picks of the Day, sponsored by Rocket Ship Racing. Larry, you have done your homework. Lots of picks today. Lots of picks. Lots of winners, hopefully. Woo! All right, let's start at Woodbine. They have a 10-race card today, including the $125,000 star shoot stakes for three-year-old fillies. But race two is a maiden special weight for three-year-olds, six furlongs for a purse of $111,600. Number two, True Temper, is one of two horses entered by friend of the show, trainer Mark Cassie. And True Temper is a first-time starter and a son of the good debut sire, McLean's Music. True Temper's mother, Bingle, was a stakes-winning sprinter and miler, and True Temper has been working quite regularly for Mark, first with a series of works at Belmont Park. His last two have been over the tapita surface at Woodbine. I like the fact that Patrick Husbands is aboard True Temper, and for years he's been one of Mark Cassie's go-to jockeys. So Woodbine race two, number two, True Temper. Santa Anita has a 12 race card today, and race 11 is a maiden special weight for fillies and mares, and it's six furlongs on the dirt, a purse of $61,000, uh, the, they're three, four, and five-year-olds. It's a compact field of seven has been entered. Number four, Whimsical Air, is a lightly raced filly with one start in December last year at Del Mar and then a start at March 3rd at Santa Anita this year. In both races, Whimsical Air ran well, finishing third in both of them, including being a beaten favorite in that March race. I like the fact that this filly is racing back-to-back, so to speak, with no significant uh, layoff. This time, and speaking of back-to-back, check out the two back-to-back and well-spaced five furlong works on her. Trainer Mark Glad is 19% with horses racing between 31 to 60 days, and once again, leading jockey Juan Hernandez has been enlisted to ride. So Santa Anita, race 11, number four, Whimsical Hare. Woodbine Mohawk Park has a 12 race card tonight, and race six is a one-mile pace for a purse of $22,000. Number four, Last Beach, finally gets a decent post position tonight after leaving from the dreaded 10-hole in its last two races and an eight-post three-back. Two races back, Last Beach left from the 10-hole, had the lead, and then sat a two-hole trip, got pushed back to the front at the top of the stretch, but was able to find some room and get up for second beat in the neck. He didn't get away with that uh, in the 10-hole last week. He finished ninth. That was actually a class higher where we find him tonight as Last uh, Beach is back in a lifetime non-winners class, and we also find driver and also a friend of the show, Doug McNair, back in the, sa- back in the bike, I should say, after a one-race absence. He's missed a week, but I'm sure trainer Ben Wallace has him fine-tuned for a good res- uh, performance tonight. So Woodbine Mohawk Park, race six, number four, Last Beach. Finally, we've got the Meadowlands. They have a 14-race card tonight, and race six is a one-mile trot for a purse of $18,000. Number six, Mona Moore, tried to go wire to wire in his last race on April 14th, a race in tonight's same class where he was heavily favored and finished third, beating three quarters of a length. This guy discovered, has discovered a new element to his racing style by leaving the gate fast and trying to either go wire to wire or get some early position and hope to make a second move like two starts back and where he finished second. All-world driver Dexter Dunn is back in the bike tonight, having been absent the last two starts. And when you look at tonight's Meadowlands program page, there doesn't seem to be a lot of speed drawn inside of Monomur, which could 
give Dexter a couple of driving options with this guy tonight. So the Meadowlands race six, number six, Mona Murr. Thank you, Larry. Amazing work as always. You are such a pleasure and a real treasure. <laughs> want to say hello to Mark at Fans of Horse Racing, and I want to say goodbye to everyone listening right now. Thank you so much for joining us for this edition of Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Just a wee reminder, if you would like to receive a free digital copy of the current issue of Ponies 24-7 magazine, and a new one was recently released, please email Larry Simpson at theponies247experience at gmail.com. And don't forget about the Ponies 24-7 Lymphoma Canada campaign, Don't Horse Around with Lymphoma. For more information on this worthy cause, please go to the landing page, lymphoma.ca slash ponies, and donate. Stay with us here at 105.9 The Region all weekend long. We'd appreciate it, and thank you for listening. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine with Ann Romer and Larry Simpson, has been brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Tune in next Saturday morning at 8 for more from the world of horse racing. This is 105.9 The Region.